a sulky, over-funky, kinda hunky superhero. A two-fisted and electrically transistored superhero. An exotically neurotic and aquatic superhero. The Marvel superheroes have arrived. Superpowered from the forehead to the toes. Watch them change their very shape before your nose. Striking superhero, change to Viking superhero. A humping and real swing and shield, flinging superhero. They're the latest, they're the greatest, ultimate superheroes. The Marvel superheroes ever Hello and welcome to Marvel Vision, the Marvel Cinematic Universe TV show podcast. That's a mouthful. Brought to you by Cinema Sanga. I am your co-host, Devin Faraci. Joining me is my co-host. Hello, I'm Derek Faraci. Um, if you listen to our other podcast, The Bad Batch, where we do Star Wars TV, you'll be familiar with what we do here. But if you're new, if you weren't interested in the Star Wars stuff and you're jumping on now because it's Marvel stuff, Derek is my brother. And we have spent our whole life talking about nerd stuff, like, like literally four decades talking about nerd stuff. And uh, last year we decided to start recording it because we were doing it anyway. Yes. Like, like we can go far enough back to discussing the issue by issue uh, Squash and Supreme as they were coming out month right. by month. You know, right. like, what do you think is going to happen? Oh, yeah. Do you think Hyperion is going to get his eyesight back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we go way back with this shit. And so we decided to start recording it. And um, it seems that folks enjoy us doing the Star Wars show. We didn't really expect that. And shocking, very shocking turn of events. Very shocking turn of events. And so, uh, some folks mentioned they would love to hear us talking about the Marvel shows that are beginning. And we talked about it, and we decided, what the fuck, let's do it. And so here we are talking about the first two episodes of WandaVision, the first of the Marvel Cinematic Universe TV shows. Yes, and uh, very exciting. It's really interesting because this was not supposed to be the first one. Was it was Winter Soldier Falcon and Winter Soldier? Falcon, yeah, Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to be the first one, and uh, I think the nature of the well, production. I didn't know that. Yeah, I did, because originally, one division was supposed to end, and then like next week was going to be Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Would come right, out. that was so the premise. Yeah, connect in some fashion. Right. Yeah. That's not going to happen. So I'm very curious what happens at the end of the series. <laughs> Although I guess even. Did like I don't think they finished filming Multiverse of Madness, did they? Before everything they haven't out? started, I don't think. Uh, uh, I don't think that's true because Elizabeth Olsen has talked about working with Sam Raimi. Okay, and like how crazy it is to watch him, how he uses the camera so different from everyone else, and blah blah blah. She might have been just talking like I've seen his movies, but it sounded like she was talking like being on set with him and stuff. Maybe he does an episode of Wandavision. Maybe. That's very possible. Maybe he does the final episode of WandaVision. Very possible. You know, they did say there's going to be an actor in this show that we're very going to be very surprised to see, and I suspect it's got to be Benedict Cumberbatch, right? I mean, like, that feels like it makes sense. Um, either that or, like, Dick Van Dyke, one or the other. That'd be pretty dope if, if ancient Dick Van Dyke showed up. Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, it was supposed to be... a lawsuit. With <laughs> But it was supposed to be a Falcon and Winter Soldier first, which feels like a more traditional Marvel show. 
Um, and then it was going to have the Falcon and Winter Soldier, and they're talking about sort of the um, legacy of Captain America and about how Steve Rogers had uh, given Falcon the shield to become the new Captain America. Bar- uh, Zemo is in it. Um, it's a little bit more... Yeah. It seems like more of a traditional action adventure show, but I guess the nature of production on that was such that the pandemic hit it very hard. Yes. And they had to yeah, stop that, shooting. That definitely got shut down during the pandemic, but I don't know if WandaVision, because, I, I guess maybe because WandaVision does connect directly to Multiverse of Madness, they had to finish filming WandaVision so that Elizabeth Olsen and, in theory, Paul Bettany, I don't know if Paul Bettany is going to be in Multiverse of Madness, but in theory, both of them would be free for filming of Multiverse of Madness? I would suspect the actual reason is that because um, there was more location work on uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and that stuff became harder for them to do. The travel and stuff like that became harder for them to do with COVID. But because yeah. WandaVision is pretty much just shot on sets, um, you have a tight crew, and if you're all bubbling up together, you have the opportunity to actually get it shot. If you don't have, you're not traveling. They were they were they were traveling places for Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yes, but 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 considering that that Wandavision, like we said before, was supposed to go right up to the release of Multiverse of Madness, that means Multiverse of Madness would have had to been finished before Wandavision started airing, right? Like like or at least in post production when Wandavision started airing. So they would need to film it earlier. Yeah, that can make sense, I guess. Right? That that would be my theory on it, at least. Well, whatever. It didn't work out. So, uh, <laughs> really, best played, best laid plans of mice and men. You know what I mean? Like um, yes. Marvel's been really good about this stuff about like their little planning and their little things, and then the pandemic came and just fucked it all. Totally fucked it all. Yes. Pretty fascinating. Although according to, according to uh, Kevin Feig, it's it's uh, it's all working to plan still. Like, this has actually made things better for us. His name is Feige. Like, I'm sorry, Feige. Uh, he's, yeah, he's, he said that it's making things better for them. And it's like, well, a lot of people have died. <laughs> so maybe. Well, yeah, obviously. I mean, I don't think that he's grateful for the pandemic. Yeah. He's just saying that the quarantine has allowed them to probably shape some things and do some extra work on things. Um, yeah. They're not rushing to meet yeah. deadlines yeah. anymore. I doubt that Kevin Feige is out there being like, thank God 500,000 Americans will end up dying by February. This is show, this is making Endgame all that more important. Now you see, we were ahead of the curve. <laughs> we warned you. Um, so they, they, they surprise dropped two episodes. Oh, by the way, so I guess that people who don't listen to the Star Wars podcast... I think the structure going forward, we don't have anything this week, I think, but um, the structure going forward is that we'll probably do Marvel news in the first... I have news. You have I, news? I came prepared. You oh, came, came prepped. Prepared. Did, you, did you get a Marvel yeah. joke book? I did, indeed, get a Marvel joke book. You are fucking kidding me. <laughs> nope. Is it is it Aaron, Aaron Stark? No, this is an officially released Marvel joke book. Uh, I don't think it's got the same charm as the Aaron Stark one that we use on uh, Star Wars. Well, he, here's the fun part of it. Some of the jokes... Don't have anything to do with Marvel. So, so get ready for that. All right. What's your Marvel news? What Marvel news do you have? All right. To start with, uh, Kevin Feige revealed the, the working title for uh, Spider-Man 3. It's very unexciting Homecoming 3. So there you go. There's that. It's going to – you know what? I suspect it's going to be called Spider-Man Home for the Holidays. You think so? It's a Christmas movie. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, there's been some there's been some um, 
uh, paparazzi shots of them shooting on location and they're doing fake snow and there's Christmas stuff. Okay. So it looks like it's going to be a Christmas movie, the first Marvel Christmas movie. And I think, no, I no, 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 Iron Man two. three, Iron Man three. Yeah, you're right. Cause Shane Black made that. I was, as I was saying it, I was like, wait, Shane Black made one of these movies. It must've been a Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, Spider-Man home for the holidays. So, um, Spider-Man in the winter is really great. And I think it's something that we've not seen in the movies before, but if you're a comic book reader, Spider-Man in the winter is terrific. Spider-Man tends to get the flu a lot in the winter in the comics. He's He's always sneezing. He's very cold. He's sneezing into his mask and making a big snotty mess. It's very common. In fact, early on he got the flu and it dampened his powers. Um, so uh, Spider-Man also very cold in the winter. So these are all uh, fun Spider-Man things that happen. I think seeing Spidey web swinging through uh, Christmassy New York is going to be a lot of fun. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Or at least a Atlanta made up to look like a Christmassy New York yes. <laughs> since they shoot all these movies in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, which they can keep doing now that Atlanta's a blue state. Congratulations, Atlanta. You kept the, you kept the Marvel movies. Hey, it worked out. They don't have. They don't have to leave. Um, they don't, well, they don't have to threaten that they're going to leave and then not actually do it because they've spent <laughs> billions of dollars building a studio there. They're like, come on. Let's I have been to their studio in Atlanta quite a few times. To their, it's a Pinewood studio, and I remember the very first time that we went, they were so proud and they gave us the tour of the whole facility. They're like, "This place is so big, we have our own Home, home Depot." depot. Yeah, I told yeah. you that, huh? Yeah. 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 Well, I've I've seen like stuff on it as well. They they're really proud of the Home Depot, man. They're super proud of the fucking Home Depot. Meanwhile, here in Michigan, when we uh, passed our our film incentive uh, program back in two thousand nine, uh, a bunch of people came here and they built a studio to film things. And uh, certain some stuff was filmed there. The the Sam Raimi, Sam Raimi uh, Oz movie was filmed there. Some Batman v Superman was filmed there. One thing they forgot to do when they originally built the place, though, they didn't soundproof it. So they spent a lot of money building it. <laughs> and then while making, while Sam Raimi was breaking it in, being the first one to film there, he was like, hey, guys, there's no soundproofing here. And so they had to retrofit everything for wow, soundproofing. that's crazy. Yeah. Yep. And then a year later, the uh, incentive ended and everybody left and now it just sits empty. They did some Transformers in Detroit, too, because uh, Michael yes, Bay liked yeah. using the destroyed streets. Yes, yes. When, when I first moved here, I moved here right as that thing passed. And uh, uh, my first day in Detroit, we drove in and there were tanks everywhere. And I was like, what the hell did I just come into? And it turns out that they were filming the remake of Red Dawn at the time. So there were <laughs> tanks and there were all these, like, like the, the, these, uh, uh, I believe it was China originally in the movie, right? Right, they, had, they changed it because China got mad, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so it was all these like Chinese flags and like Chinese posters everywhere, and I was like, "What is going on in the place I just moved to?" And then it was just for for filming. That's great. But they had no signs up to tell you like there's filming going on. You could just walk through everything as right. they were filming. It was kind of weird. That's great. Yeah. Do you have any other Marvel news? I do. Uh, Kevin Feige has said that uh, they will not recast Chadwick Boseman, uh, Black Panther. They they're not going to recast the role. They're not going to CG Chadwick Boseman into Black Panther 2 for like a scene or anything like that. They're going to deal with it. Um, it's going to take a little while because they had a completed script and now Ryan Coogler has to go and rewrite the entire script since Chadwick Boseman sadly passed away. And uh, so that's what's going on with that. They, I guess maybe he's learned his lesson. They've, 
Marvel has learned the lesson that Lucas did not learn, and they will not CG in uh, people who have died recently. I'm very curious how they're going to end up handling it, um, because it does seem weird to just kill Black Panther off screen. And it does also seem weird to have a whole movie where characters like, oh, you just missed Black Panther. Uh, he was just here a minute ago. He wanted me to give you a message. Oh, I just got a phone Black Panther. Guess what? Guess what he says? Yeah, yeah. But my theory is going to is that Black Panther, it's going to be set in Wakanda, and they're going to be like, oh, uh, T'Challa is in uh, uh, where they sent up the, the school at the end or the, the center at the end. Oakland. In, in, in Oakland. T'Challa's in Oakland dealing with that. And then in the third one, they'll recast. That's my theory. That's my I'm very theory. curious about it. I'm very curious how they move forward with it. It's a pretty. They were setting him up to be a pretty major character in the MCU. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's funny, you know. I I always had wondered with these MCU movies, with these nine, twelve movie contracts, these people sign. I was always like, these people, they fly everywhere. They're always traveling. Like they're always like getting driven around long distances. Like the odds of one of these guys dying is pretty high actually i felt like let, let alone the fact that like you know some of these people live hard lifestyles because they are party people um yeah. that, that's what i was gonna say or you run into the problem that dc has where like every other actor gets into trouble for something and they're right. like oh, what are we gonna do with this person you know? right so well i mean yeah. the, you know they just recast and just move along i mean that really is what they just do at dc they just keep moving yeah so yeah um so that's that's interesting anything else for news uh, yes, uh, Feige also said that Deadpool 3 will be rated R, and Ryan Reynolds is currently working with people on the script, but they, uh, they're they looking at around 2023 to release it, so that's exciting. And It's going uh, to be in the MCU, right? It's in the MCU, yes, he said it's in the MCU, which is very interesting that it's going to be rated R in the MCU. That surprised me. I think it's not that big a deal. I think that um, I think that the I think audiences can handle and understand. I I don't think that it's a matter of audiences can handle and understand. I I don't think that's a problem. But I think it's interesting to be like they they very carefully set up all these movies to be family oriented, and now they're like, ah, we'll have we'll chuck in an R rated one, and that also suggests Deadpool's going to show up in other people's stuff, right? So, I would assume that Deadpool will show up in the next Avengers movie. Yeah, I would, I would, I would assume as much. It's, it seems crazy to me that if they're going to have him and Ryan Reynolds is obviously interested in playing this character for about as long as Hugh Jackman played Wolverine, it would be shocking to me if he doesn't show up in an Avengers movie. Yeah, yeah. And then do you do you just have him get bleeped all the time in, in an Avengers movie, or do you just not have him curse? You have him do one bit. You have him do. You have him be basically the funny guy on the team, and then you have him do one fourth wall break, and you have in that fourth wall break he tries to curse, and it's like the good place. Okay, yeah, where he says like fork and yeah, where he's like with you know these these fork and ice holes, and he's like, what? Wait, no, I didn't say fork and what? Feige, you know, and then and then you just move along. You know what I mean? Like that's like what you do. Like yeah. I think that's what you do. Okay, yeah, that makes sense, I guess. And he could be the funny guy on the team, and he makes jokes, and he tears everybody else down, but he only, I would say, has one solid fourth wall break. It becomes too much. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. That's my thought, but... No, no. Anything else? Uh, uh, yes, he, uh, Feige also said that uh, he's leaving the door open to bringing back the Netflix TV show's characters. So, he said... Uh, uh, his exact line was... Uh, 
you wouldn't confirm it, but never say never. So yeah, I mean, with, with people who like those shows for some reason because they're terrible, or they're still under contract, so he's like, ah, who knows? Maybe we'll want to chuck in Daredevil somewhere. I don't know. Well, you know, I mean, obviously those are characters they'd like to play with. Um, yeah. You know, some of the casting was good. I can't imagine they're going to keep the canon of it, but I guess it doesn't really matter. I guess you just don't even fucking acknowledge it. You know what I mean? You just move forward. You just have the characters already established and don't don't acknowledge the canon of it. I would be my assumption, but I don't know. I guess it's it's interesting, but um, I think that he's doing that thing where they ask an actor, would you be interested in playing Superman? And they go, you know, if the right script came along, I'd really be interested. You know, like it's a... I think yeah. that's it. I think what that means is they don't actually have plans right now, but who knows, you know? But they yeah. got Daredevil back, so he's theirs. Yes, they're all theirs now, aren't they? Is it all? I'm not sure if all of them are. I think that there's a um, there's a rolling timeline based on when the last episodes aired. Okay. So I think Punisher might be coming back last. Okay. And he's obviously the character you most want to actually use, but, you know. Although the, so many people now are suggesting that Marvel do away with Punisher, which I think is a very bad idea. Yeah, I'm not a I'm fan not of a it. Punisher fan, but I, I think it's a stupid way to go about it. Is we can't use this art anymore because a bunch of assholes screwed with it. Yeah, I think too often we just give the bad guys, we just let the bad guys take things, and I think that letting yeah. them take this is a bad idea. Um, you know, I'm 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 Twitter friends with Jerry Conway, who created the Punisher, and he yeah. is pretty adamant about taking the Punisher back. Like he doesn't like these people. He doesn't like what they're using it for. He disagrees with it. Um, but he also doesn't want to just throw away the skull. You know what I mean? Like he he thinks he made an interesting character. I I agree. And I think that the way that Marvel does things, if they brought, let's pretend for a minute, like just pretend they're going to do Spider-Man four, which I don't think is going to happen. I think Spider-Man's going to leave the Marvel cinematic universe, but let's pretend they do Spider-Man four. You can have the Punisher in that. That's where that's Punisher started in Spider-Man and you can have him, doing the same role that he had in the Spider-Man comics. He can be the villain. Yeah. And I think it's a much more interesting yeah. storyline anyway. I think having the Punisher as the good guy is not that interesting. I think having him as a villain-ish character who is bouncing off the heroes, that's much more interesting. I agree. I agree. You know, yeah, Captain America has to team up with the Punisher. He doesn't like it. He respects his military service, but he doesn't like the Punisher's um, way of doing things. And Captain America has to spend half the movie – uh, stopping the Punisher from killing the bad guys. You know what I mean? Like that's like your, your, although I guess in the Marvel universe, they just kill people left and right. So I guess maybe they murder everyone everywhere they go. (laughs) I guess maybe the Punisher belongs in the Marvel cinematic universe. (laughs) Well, he doesn't because he wouldn't stand out. He'd be like, Oh, they already killed everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. uh, War machine just opened fire on these hundred guys and they're all dead already. Wow. I guess I'm just going to go home. Uh, All right. (laughs) Take it easy, fellas. I guess I'll go home and make some pasta. I am an Italian character. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Anything else? Uh, speaking of Captain, yeah. Speaking of Captain America, we're running we're running long on news here. Let's let's just do the good ones. Right, okay. Well, this is the last one. Okay. The rumor is that is that Chris Evans is going to reprise his role as Captain America, although Chris Evans has denied it. Although Tatiana uh, Masoli or Masolani, no, Masolani denied playing She-Hulk, and um, two months later, they're like, She-She-Hulk, so we know how that goes. Yeah, they just lie, so it's not like a great yeah. system. It's a bad system. It's I mean, We talked about this on the Star Wars podcast, how much I hate it. Like The premise that they're just going to lie to you sucks. I, fu- I hate it. Like At least be cool about it. Like Do like a 
well, you know, if uh, I haven't, you know, I still, I still feel like that shield belongs on my arm or, you know, something like that. Like just do a little fun wink. You don't have to like spoil the fact that you're going to show up. Uh, If he comes back, it's obviously going to be in a cameo, a flashback kind of a thing. You know what I mean? That's going to be, or it's going to be an alternate universe thing. Yeah. Cause I, I can't see them being like, uh, we're going to set up the Falcon to be Captain America and then take that away. That, that rightfully upset a lot of people. Like, hey, you just set this up. Right. And then you just walk away, which is something that the Marvel movies do all the time. But, you know, it's kind of different when you also kill off the character, one of the characters to, to do it. You know, so, yeah, I think I think it's well, they didn't kill him off. He's still alive. Yeah, he's just old, I guess. Right. He's just old man, old man, uh, Captain America. But like, I, I feel like yeah, I agree. It will be flashbacks or a dream sequence or something like that, you know. Right, there's going to be some movie set in back in World War II again, or yeah, it's going to be a flashback, or it's going to be an alternate universe. It's like here's an alternate universe where Captain America is a bad guy. You know what I mean? Like because we're going to have, we're yeah. doing the multiverse, and remember, Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantumania is bringing in Kang the Conqueror, a time tra- time traveling villain. So yes. we're not done time traveling in the MCU. No, no, we are not. So I would not be surprised if he does show up again, but. It's not going to be to lead a whole movie. Um, no. At least not yet. Now, they might do that like for the third, for some, you know, five years in the future after, you know, Sam Cap gets a couple of TV shows or movies under his belt. They got a second season of Falcon Winter Soldier coming. So, um, okay. yeah. But it might have a different name. I, I really thought that this one they were going to reveal was called Captain America and the Winter Soldier. I think that's going to be season two. Yeah. That makes sense. And uh, that's it. That's all I've got for news. Okay, give me two jokes. Two jokes, okay. What breaks when Spider-Man starts talking? The ice? The silence. Who knows? That's just it? That's just, wow. Yep. Okay. What, what do you call a pig with three eyes? What? A pig. It's got three eyes in the in the writing. Okay, give me one more. I, these I, are I, these are straight up Aaron Stark level. Okay, give me one more. <laughs> I told you these these are not that great. Uh, let's see. Okay, what do you call a snowman's po- parents? What do you call a snowman's parents? Yes. What? A mom and popsicle. That's pretty good, but that got nothing to do with Marvel whatsoever. No, neither does the pig one. A lot of these have nothing to do with Marvel. I'm like, what is going on? This is weird. <laughs> At least Iron Stark <laughs> bends over backwards. With a bunch of pages about like, this is what a joke is. This is how you tell a joke. Like, it's pretty impressive. And then it gets to the jokes finally, but like. It break. There's two pages of just random knock knock jokes at the start. Here's like I love the idea that the book opens like. So you've had a massive head injury. Yeah. Now we're gonna re- teach you what a joke is. Now that you're recovery from your massive brain injury, let's teach you what a joke is. Here's one of their example jokes. Knock knock. Who's there? Fairy. Fairy who? Fairy. Nice to meet you. I'm Spider Man. What? <laughs> <laughs> Good heavens. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. 
All right. All right. So uh, we're going to do jokes uh, in future episodes. This is what we do on the Bad Batch, and we're going to do it here as well. Uh, and I'm sorry memes, in advance. By the way. What's that? The book, also, the book also has memes, so that's good. Okay. That's useful. That's very modern. Like, here's the meme. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You ready to talk uh, about To be clear, it was written by Brandon T. Snyder. I don't want to not give – Brandon, his his proper credit. Brandon T. Snyder, thank you for your work uh, and your service to our country. <laughs> All right. Man. You ready to talk about WandaVision episodes one and two? I am. I think uh, this is like fundamentally the most interesting thing I've watched on television in a long time. And it is interesting right from the start uh, because it is fully just what it is. It begins and just dives directly into being a pretty reasonable recreation of a 1950s sitcom. I mean, it's the first episode is basically an ep, an episode of Dick Van Dyke show. Like the sets are exactly the same, right? The house, the kitchen, and the living room look exactly like Dick Van Dyke show. the 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 format of it of like I've got to impress the boss is right. a very old school sitcom thing. The misunderstanding of what dinner is going to be it's all very basic. It's yeah, and I think it's really important to sort of notice that the the way that the show seems to be is that each episode they seem to be advancing forward in television history. So they made a really specific choice though because this Dick Van Dyke is not the earliest sitcom by any means. Um, and in fact, there's even very much more famous sitcoms that predate it like I Love Lucy, which is the first multi-camera sitcom, but there are sitcoms that exist even before that. But what the Dick Van Dyke show has um, that's a little bit different is that it's a suburban show. Um, they're yes. commuters. You know, I love Lucy and the honeymooners. They're in the city. Uh, yes. And Dick Van Dyke, he commutes. And it's also a show, Dick Van Dyke is really interesting, is that fundamentally Laura, his wife, isn't equal to him, which is not necessarily the case in the honeymooners or in um, I love Lucy. Uh, you know, although Alice, you know, holds her own and obviously Lucy is the star of I love Lucy. In in Honeymooners, Alice is the straight man. Right. Right. And then in I Love Lucy, Lucy is the comedy to Desi's straight man, but Lucy is subservient to Desi. To Ricky, rather. I'm sorry, his real name is Desi. His name on the show is Ricky. Uh she she is subservient to Ricky. She she can't leave the house without his permission, blah blah blah. It's very old school, blah, 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 blah. Right. Where Dick Van Dyke, they were partners. They were complete right. equals. And it was also a big thing that she would wear pants on that show it was a big deal at the time that, that like she, she's wearing pants. Like, right. Oh my God. Like she's so modern and, and of the time, right. you know? And so I think they're playing on that a lot. Well, that's the thing. That's why they start there because they want to give these characters something more of an equal footing and a little bit more modern. They don't want to go quite into the prehistory of the sitcom, uh, you know, which they could, I think they, and they could probably do a great job of it because I'm truly impressed by, the structure of the show and the shooting style of the show and including the special effects. I mean, like I, you know, when she's in the kitchen later on in the episode and there's all the stuff dancing around, it's clearly all stuff on strings. I mean, like it's 
they're really doing it the real way. Um, I'm so yeah, I'm they super do impressed. Like a reverse, they do a rewind of the shattered plate, like coming back together and going up. Right. Like they do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it opens with um, Wanda, you know, in, in the kitchen doing housework and the vision comes down and um, they're a married couple and he's on his way to work and he's in a suit and tie and they have banter and they realize that there's a heart on their calendar for today. And like neither one of them knows what the heart is and they try to figure out what it means. And they assume it must mean some kind of special day. So they're going to have some kind of special dinner or special celebration night, but and neither of them can remember. They know what it is. They both pretend to know what it is, though. Like, I know what it is. Do you remember what it right. is? Oh, I remember what it is. Well, okay. You know. And I, this is part of like, did you, did you forget? I'm incapable of forgetting. Like, right. You know, you know all but that's there. I think that there's a lot going on in this, though, because it's not just on – one, on one level, they're doing the sitcom thing of like, oh, of course I know what today's special day is. Oh, my God. What is today's special day? That's the sitcom thing. But then within the larger premise of the show – the fact that he doesn't know is in and of itself disquieting because he should know. He should know. Yes. And do do you, do you get what the date is? August 26th. August 26th. Do you know what that is? I don't. That is, uh, that is when that, that connects to the issue when vision came back to life. Which time? The, The first time, like he died. And then the first time he returns, I forgot. I can't remember exactly. I didn't write it down in my notes, but it connects to like the first time he they bring him back to life in Avengers. It, it connects to eight twenty six somehow. I can't remember. Wait, wait, but is it really? Because you know the Vision story now, right? Like Vision's history is like way more complicated than that. Yes, yes, yes. But because he used to be the Human comics. Torch now. Yes, now, but I'm saying in the comics, in the original comics, so like when it connects to to like. It, it, the issue of when he came back when he came back like, all white uh, uh i don't i don't think he came back all white the first time did he i don't remember he's come back a lot of times he is a robot um well but so this is like the first hint at like the the thing and uh, you know I, we talked about this before we recorded you're not a fan of these two episodes um and no. i I deeply am. And this is why, because I think there is a real tendency in the culture to say that something that's a little bit weird or surreal is Lynchian. Like it's a David Lynch feeling thing, but I think very often it's actually not David Lynch or very Lynchian. What is Lynchian to me is the premise of unease and surreality just under the surface of a fairly common, boring world. It's suburbia, but underneath suburbia, there's something really fucked up happening. And so that's what's happening here. And right from the beginning here, we get that sense that there's something really fucked up and weird happening, even beyond the fact that these two characters are living in a sitcom. Like, But there's something like fucked up underneath it. And th- it starts here with the vision not being able to remember. Um, and I, I, I really dig that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Um, so, uh, what, what, the, what, what do you just not think that whole, that whole Lynchian thing or like, what is it? I, I don't mind the Lynchian thing, but I think even Lynch would watch this and be like, Hey guys, speed it up. <laughs> like I, I am, a, I believe you could take these two episodes, cram them into one. Not a problem. Not a problem. I, I think it's, there's too much time spent being like old sitcom. It's an old sitcom. It's like, let's, 
let's move forward. Let's do something. Let's not spend 15 minutes on it. And I also think not to jump too far ahead into the first episode. I think it's a mistake to tell, like, even though we all know, but to tell us from the beginning, they have powers. Well, but they have powers. Yes. But, but, but I think it would, it would, I think the ending of the first episode, when the boss is choking and they're all sitting there and no one's reacting until Wanda says vision, help him. Then you reveal the power. And that made that turned into a, a thing of where it's like this isn't just a sequel. Oh, I disagree. Something. You know, I'll tell you why. Because I mean, we get to that part. I'll, I'll explain more. But I disagree because I think that the very the very premise of this show and of the fake sitcom that they're in is the premise of people trying to fit in with a world that they don't belong in. And so, them having powers is, I think integral right from the beginning because they don't belong in this world that they're living in. And that's the sitcom premise. And so the sitcom premise in the opening credits is that they move from the city to the suburbs. And so that's like the fish out of water in the opening credits, but also it's the, the powers and the fact that they are powered people trying to hide their poweredness that fits in with, you know, the second episode gets much more bewitched clearly, but also I, I dream of genie. Uh, it's, it's, it's the, you know, the monsters it's, it's not a really uncommon 1950s, sixties sitcom trope to have people that are hiding a thing about themselves and trying to fit in to normal American life. So I think it really, really works here. Um, like in a big, big way for me. Um, so I, I would disagree. I mean, whether or not you think that they should spend a whole episode doing this is another thing altogether. That's a personal taste. I think that the, fidelity of the sitcom recreation is so good and i think that when we do build to the breaking moment in this first episode i think that we you want that time to sort of like spend a lot of time being like okay this is a sitcom i do not get this and then when it finally breaks i think it really fucking worked for me but we'll get to that when we get to that um so um wanda meets her neighbor agnes and Agnes shows up at the door, um, and Agnes sort of like asks, starts trying to help her figure out what the heart means, and then tries to help her figure out how to set up a nice romantic night for Vision. And she's sort of the wacky neighbor. She sort of has um, is Catherine Hahn. She has all of this like big energy. Um, and what I really like about this episode too, by the way, is how much the actors really commit to the acting style of a sitcom of the era. Oh, very much, very much so. Every single one really of like them, like to the voices they're using. They're shouting, essentially, which is what you would do because they were shooting on stage in a live audience with, without great sound, so they would shout. I mean, like when you watch old sitcoms, these people are shouting at each other. They're basically doing a stage performance, you know? Um, yes. Yeah, I think I, – I really love that about it. Um, so, but, you know, but also, beyond even the shouting, like Elizabeth Olsen is putting on – a 50s sitcom voice where she's like okay right. dear like that kind of deal she's know. doing such a really interesting complicated thing because she's doing that and she's also playing with her sokovian accent in it 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 comes in and out and she's not always doing it but she's doing it sometimes and it comes in at the edges i think it's a really complicated performance that she's giving and i don't think that it's obvious i think that if you're just watching it it just sounds like she's just doing this one thing but i think she's doing multiple things um, I, did, I, I did not catch any hints of Sokovian accent. It's in there. It's in there in the very beginning. And that first scene in the kitchen, there's a bunch of it. And then there's it comes and goes throughout other parts of it. But I think the fact that it comes and goes is purposeful. I don't think that that's a mistake or like, you know, these days they decided to stop doing Sokovian accent. Yeah, I, no, um, yeah, no I, I, 
I mean, I saw a few people online being like, I thought she was supposed to have an accent. And it's like, no, she's putting on a 50s sitcom voice. And while I didn't notice any hints of a Sokovian accent that you're suggesting, that's not something you do by accident. Well, she's doing the 50s sitcom voice for sure, but she's also, again, the Sokovian accent comes in at the corners. And what she's basically doing is she's playing somebody who has an accent doing an American accent. That's what she's doing when, and you know, if you listen to her real voice and then watch this show, even if she's putting on a fifties sitcom voice, she's still, she's doing that multiple level. Here's somebody who has a different accent playing American and you can hear their accent at the edges. And I, it, it happens a couple of times. And I think it's really super fucking impressive and it's not obvious. It's like really not obvious. I, I'm really yeah, impressed I, by it. I did not notice it. I mean, I watched these episodes twice. I didn't, I, I have to say, I did not notice it. Um, so but meanwhile, not- well, meanwhile, as as her and Agnes are talking about like how to properly seduce the vision that night, visions at work at Computational Services Inc., and um, he does not know what the company does, he does not know what he does at the company. He just knows that he's doing this data, and the guy that he's talking to does not know what they do at the company. Nobody knows. It's just, and this again works for me in a big way because it's both weird. It's a sitcom concept where the the workplace is ill-defined, you know? Yeah. Um, it's like, uh, 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 the, what's in the Jetsons? Um, the Sprockets company that Sprockets, he works uh, at. Uh, Spacely Sprockets. Spacely Sprockets. Like, what is that? Who knows? It's just, it's a company, right? I mean, like- <laughs> Cosgrove's the other company. It's Cosgrove, whatever. Right. I remember, but- so it's like, who, what, what do they do? Who knows? He just works in an office, right? So that works there. But then also, I think what's really great about it is that a lot of this stuff in this episode is also commentary on American society. So I think the idea that the company that you work for and you don't know what they do and it's like ominously generic, that feels like real American corporate stuff. There's something really interesting there that you go to work all day at a job that you don't know what you're doing. You don't care why you're doing it. None of it makes any sense. Later on when he has the boss over for dinner, the boss's big boast is that they can turn the pages sideways so they can charge for twice as much paper. And it's like it's the opposite of efficiency. It's it's the scam, and that's like such an American wild thing. I kind of love that about it. It's so interesting, and it's interesting for a character. If this is all in Wanda's mind, which it seems like it is, or at least from her being created from her mind, this is her commentary on America in a lot of ways. We'll discuss that in a bit. Um, so at, at the office, though, uh, the Vision meets Mister Hart, his boss, who is played by Cy Abelman from A Serious Man. Yes. And yes. <laughs> a bunch of stuff. He's, stuff. he's in a he's ton of things. Yeah, he's in a ton of stuff. He's a great actor. He's a great. He's a really good actor. Um, and so, uh, Mr. Hart, what's that? He's got a great voice. A terrific voice. He's got a great look. He really has like that era's look about him. Like it's really terrific. Um, his boss, Mr. Hart, is coming over for dinner, and that ends up being what the actual heart on the calendar means. It means Mr. Hart. Yeah. And we see that the last guy whose house that Mr. Hart went over for dinner did not impress him properly and is being fired. Yes, even though he had a, a five-course meal, a string quartet, and uh, but he apparently he wore a turtleneck, and that was that's no good. A beatnik enthusiasm. <laughs> yes. uh, also, we don't we don't dine with Bolsheviks. We don't dine with Bolsheviks. Um, but uh, so. So Vision calls Wanda and tells her, I f- okay, now I know what this thing is. And Wanda's like, yeah, I know too. And they have this one of these sitcom conversations where they're talking across purposes. And yeah. uh, she thinks that he's saying one thing and he thinks that she's saying something else. And they think they're on the same page, but they are not. Because when Vision takes Mr. Hart and his wife home, 
Wanda shows up in a sexy robe uh, and yeah, comes up. The lights are dim. There's candles everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very different. And then we sort of begin like a lengthy um, sequence of sitcom misunderstanding and subterfuge, classic sitcom misunderstanding and subterfuge, where one character is trying to draw the attention of other characters while something wacky is going on in the other room. I mean, probably one of the most fundamental sitcom premises. Yeah, the most basic one where we're like, get them to turn around at the right moment so they don't see... You know, you bring it in the new couch or whatever. Right, like, exactly. Yeah. And it's a lot of that, and a lot of it is about Wanda using her powers to whip up a really quick meal. Um, so it finally, as it with goes, the of, uh, with the help of Agnes, it comes over and delivers a lot of the items um, that she uh, that, that, that that she would need to make a meal. But Wanda still fucks it up. And so finally, when they serve the meal, all that she has is breakfast food. So they serve breakfast for dinner. Um, yes. Which the wife uh, uh, Deborah Jo Rupp from that '70s show, that 70s show yeah. is like, oh, how European! Um, so uh, they start having dinner, and then Mr. Hart begins asking, like, "So where are you guys from? How did you meet? Like, what's your story?" And they can't say no. because they don't know. We, we, no, they, they was it's like, well, we left, we got married, and here we are. Right, and it's like, well, where did you leave? When did you get married? And and he starts have- getting really agitated. They can't answer. And they can't answer. Like, it's not even that they're not saying anything. They just can't answer. They don't have the answers for him. And he starts getting more and more agitated. And it starts, this is the part of, this is the part of the episode where I was like, oh, I think this show is brilliant. Because he then sort of gets so agitated, he begins choking. And whatever simulation they're in clearly is now broken. Yes. And his wife starts saying to him as he's choking, oh, stop it. Oh, stop yeah. it. And she just repeats it. And then she's crying as she's laughing. And it just yeah. keeps on going. And I think this is the part where I was like, oh, this show's pretty great because like this is like they're taking their time. We're sitting in this moment and it is going on forever. And the longer it goes, the weirder it gets. And you get this Twilight Zone sense of people who are trapped inside of this thing and they are not in control of their situation until Wanda breaks it. And she says, Vision, help him. And yes. this is why Here I know the Sokovian accent. Right. So she's definitely having a Sokovian accent there yeah. because she's broken. She's broken character specifically. Yes. But this is why I think it's important they had powers earlier because every time they had powers earlier, their powers were all 1950 style. So Vision would walk through something and there would be like cartoon sparkles. You know, she was floating things around. They're all clearly on, on wires, right? But here, when he puts his hands into Mr. Hart's neck to pull the food out, it's just a special effect. It's it's a modern special effect. That's the moment that I think it was really important to see these other versions of the powers where they're they're cartoony and 50 style, and now he's doing it modern computer effect style. So we understand what we're seeing now is realer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I still disagree with you though. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Uh, but I think that's the thing that we're supposed to understand this is a realer moment than those other moments. That this is like. But but the, because this whole episode is built around. Uh, uh, and, and I also, I, I think this feeds into, I think this would have worked better with, with episode two as well. Uh, and not, not using powers, but I'll explain in a moment. This whole episode is built around Dick Van Dyke show. This is the Dick Van Dyke show. And it's all about a young, Dick Van Dyke show is about a young couple trying to be modern but fit into a past society that they where the, all of the neighbors 
in Dick Van Dyke show. I don't know how often you, how big you are to Dick Van Dyke show. I love it. I think it's an amazing show. And part of that show is their neighbors are all older than them. And so they don't really right. connect well with their neighbors. And that's always like a thing that's going on. And by having them have powers, you have a very bewitched feel to it where it's like we have to hide these powers where the second episode i think that works much better because it's a play on bewitched. it's directly bewitched yeah yeah where if this episode is them no powers throughout it all he's just a normal guy weirdly named vision that's fine whatever uh uh, and then at the end the powers come out and then the next episode is bewitched we have to hide the powers and then whatever the third episode is going to be moves on from that you know and i think that will be I think that would be doubling down on what you don't like about the show, though. I I don't disagree. Again, I think you could have done all of it <laughs> in one episode. I think this could have been one 20-minute episode between the two of them. Yeah, but like your vision of like that first episode where they don't have powers all episode is just a sitcom episode. like, And that would be, like I think, really difficult, I think, uh, in the ways that you're complaining I, about. I think, that, I think that would be the first 10 minutes, and then you move on to the next sequence. Well. Like, that's uh, my issue. Well, I'm glad that you're not in charge of this because I love the slow burn on this. I really am enjoying the slow burn because I because I, I know it's going somewhere. Like I don't have a question that it's going somewhere. This is still Marvel, and there are other characters in this show that we know are cast, and we know that there are characters who are appearing in episode two who we know have different identities because of who, how they were cast. So I mean, I know we're going somewhere. So I'm willing to sort of go the slow boat route. I'm willing to take the scenic route to get there because I'm interested in the atmosphere and I'm interested in sort of the larger thing. But here's the thing. We know that. But most people who are into Marvel, they're not going to know that. Most of these people don't read up on Twitter and stuff. Yeah, well, who cares about about them? Marvel should. (laughs) That's the majority of their audience. But that's the thing is that this is what's so cool about it. They don't have to care. They get to make – they can make the thing they want to make. That's really cool. I'm saying that even knowing these things, to me, the first episode was like, I get it. Move on. I get it. You're you're spending too much time – in sitcom world and nothing is, this is not moving the story forward. But you don't so know I, that. I did know that. <laughs> like, like, like watching it, it was clear. It was not moving the story forward. I disagree. Like you, and then there's beats that don't, but you had the same problem with the first episode of the second season of the Mandalorian, where you were like, so irritated by it. And then it just, it, it all really just every problem that you had with the first episode was solved in the next few episodes because they were just taking a little bit of a different path to get where you wanted to go anyway. So I am suspicious of your problems with first episodes because you were so vehemently like this episode's, uh, you know, it was fun, but it was pointless and yada, yada, yada. And I feel like it wasn't. I'm, I'm not saying the episode was pointless. I'm saying that a lot of time in the episode was spent not moving things forward. And the other reason why I disagree with you here is because um, one of the big problems with this program in general is that it's about the romance of two characters who have had about 27 minutes of screen time total over the course of five movies. Yes. And so I think actually spending time with the two of them engaged in couple business and funny, or even if it's funny, uh, sitcom couple business is I think vital to lay the groundwork for stuff that's going to happen later, because I suspect the stakes are going to get kind of unbelievably high as the show goes along. And if we have these two characters who, um, for whatever reason, you know, just never quite had the screen time they needed to be a real, a real couple, we yes. need to give them the screen time now. And if that means 45, because by the way, these two episodes are 22 minutes each, 21 minutes each. So if that means 45 ep- minutes 
the, the, you know, they drop these two episodes together on purpose, I think, because they're you, if you view them as one episode, which is what it really should be, um, you get you know you get twenty minutes of build up to a breaking point, and then you get twenty more built minutes, you know, sort of like building on that to a second breaking point. And so I think that to view this as two episodes is wrong. I think you should view it as one episode, but also I think you just need the time to give these this couple identity as a couple. I, I don't disagree that we need time to identify this couple as a couple. I also don't disagree that it uh, would have worked better as one episode, as I've said. Just, well, sure, but if you but like if you're just gonna but like time should have been spent on that episode. But if two episodes drop at once, it's one episode, right? I mean, who cares if it's? But it's not. It's not one episode. It's but two it is. episodes. You watch them one after another. You watch them one after another, but but that's like saying. Uh, because Netflix drops an entire season at once, that's all one episode. It's not one episode. I mean, it sort of is though. Like that's the problem with the Netflix shows is that they take one story and they drag it out for nine hours. I mean, that's actually a tremendous problem with the Netflix shows in general is that they treat them like that. They treat them like one story and they just, they distend the beats unbelievably. Yes. And that's how this felt to me was that there's like, well, we have to fill four and a half hours or however long, I'm guessing four and a half hours since these ones were both 22 minutes and it's nine nine episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm guessing about four and a half hours and they're like, well, we got to fill up four and a half hours. So we're going to have to spend an entire episode in Dick Van Dyke. And we're going to spend an entire episode in this where it's like, like the second episode I think does it better, you know, but this episode, I think the first episode I think spends too much time. Not. I'm trying to think the right wording. Too, too much time in the sitcom, not enough time in the building towards something. I mean, I don't disagree. I think that's the reason. I, I'm not going to say too much. I think it spends more time in the sitcom and less time building or something. But I think that's why they dropped them both at once on the first day, first of all, um, because I think they recognize that, that you needed both episodes to sort of get. And they, they sent three episodes out of screeners, by the way. So there's like yeah. apparently the third episode, it takes a tremendous turn. Um, so next week, yeah, it'll take a tremendous turn. You know how much I hate that kind of thing when people are like, it's the third episode where it gets good. It's like, well, right. But I think, but I think here's the thing is that I just disagree with you fundamentally. I just like the idea of stretching out and taking time, which is something that the best Marvel movies do anyway, but this can do in a very different way. And I, I don't mind the time. I just, I guess I don't mind hanging out in that space for 20 minutes. Um, I guess I don't have anything happening during pandemic that I can't spend 20 minutes hanging out like in a very well-made recreation of Dick Van Dyke show. It's also impressive that that we've now spent across this 44 minutes with them and they've still, and maybe they will later. And and this also includes all the time we've spent with with, with Scarlet Witch in the movies. No one has bothered to explain what her powers are. Yeah. Well, guess what? Nobody knows. (laughs) Nobody knows. Nobody knows. I mean, that's not, that's not even the movies. That's the comics. Nobody knows what her fucking powers are. This has been the problem with Scarlet Witch always. Um, Let's finish up this episode and then we'll sort of talk about that before we get into the second episode. I mean, so the final bit of this though, is that they talk about like the, the two of them, they say goodbye. He's going to get his promotion. It's the standard sitcom ending. And then um, Wanda decides, Hey, what if today's our wedding anniversary? And um, she creates them a pair of wedding rings. Cause earlier in the episode, Agnes noticed that she didn't have a wedding ring on. And so she creates them wedding rings and they put on their wedding rings and they sell it. They, Oh, this is it. This is our wedding anniversary. And then we pull back and realize that there was somebody watching them on a TV. Yes. 
and they're in some kind of it looks like a high tech military thing and there is a logo on one of the screens it's the sword logo a group from marvel comics and then it cuts to uh, the credits so see i think what in the fake credits i didn't recognize the names in the fake credits as like marvel characters i don't know if maybe you did no no because i caught i think i caught I think I know who Agnes is named after, although I don't think that's her real name, but we'll get to that. Wait, and I, also, did, I didn't even see there were fake credits. What were the fake credits? When it pulls out and the guy and you see the TV. And oh, OK. Like, so what was her name? Credits on there. Well, her, her, her name is Agnes and Agnes Ames is the the boss from um, uh, Millie the Model, like one of the first Marvel books. And I think that's what they're naming her after. But I think she's actually somebody else. Well, we can discuss that later. And then oh. I think I, I think Mr. Hart is Jack Hart, Jack of Hearts, who was an Avenger. Interesting. I'm curious about that. Um, well, I guess we skipped also that in the middle of the episode, there is a commercial. And- yeah, there's a commercial for, for uh, Stark Industries Toaster, right, in this one? Yeah, it's a to- Toastmaster 2000 or something like that. The Toastmate 2000. And um, it's, uh, it's Stark Industries. When they turn the toaster on, it makes the repulsor sound. And uh, as the people, the man and the woman that are in the commercial are doing like their spiel at the, you know, this open face sandwiches, meatloaf, apple pie. There is a single red light that dot, that blinks on the on the toaster. It's the only color in the whole episode. And it builds. It's quite tense because they stop talking and then it's just the light going. And it's beeping and they're staring at the camera. It's really cool. <laughs> And that connects back to her as a child. Right. Right. She's waiting for that bomb to go off. Right. She was waiting for the bomb to go off. Yeah. Um, See, this is exactly why your whole thing of like, but people who don't follow this and don't know how it's going to tie in, like, good. Like, I want them to sit there and watch 22 minutes of something super fucking weird. Like, I want them to sit there and be like, what is this? Like, that's exciting. You know, like when Twin Peaks aired, people were like, nobody is going to want to watch this. This is so weird. This is too fucking weird. And I think that's cool. Like, I don't think everything needs to be like easily fed to you. I think that after 11 or 12 years, Marvel has run the opportunity to sort of do something super odd and super different. I agree. And and my problem is not that my problem is that it, I think all of this could have been done in a faster pace, but I think that a faster pace, I don't want to do it. Like, I think that's part of what makes it feel odd is that it's not the right pace. It's not, you don't, this, this should have been faster. And, but this, this, the slowness of it is what it makes it odd. I mean, the thing is that Lynch doesn't make fast movies, right? I mean, like the movies, they take their time. Um, and cause you, 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 you sit in the weirdness and you sit in the discomfort and you're like, how, how long can this keep going on? That's part of it, I think. And that's what I liked about it. I like the idea of people who only know the fucking Avengers and a couple of the Marvel things and don't know shit about Vision and Scarlet Witch sitting down to watch this and be like, they get 20 fucking two minutes of like a pretty faithful episode of Dick Van Dyke. Like I fucking, that that breaks, you know what I mean? That breaks in a really surreal way at the dinner table. Yes. And, and I understand that that's what you like. I mean, first off, this is probably a discussion for a different podcast one day somewhere. I don't like David Lynch. I think a lot of David Lynch is, ooh, isn't that weird? Doesn't that make you go, ooh? And that's all it is. And I, I find that dull. And I don't think that that's what they're doing here. I, I don't think this is Lynchian. I think that this has a path and it's got a plan and it's it's giving you hints of what's going on if you know the inside stuff. But I, I think, it again, 
it could be sped up. That's no, I think that you know, I mean, I, I you talk about only about Twin Peaks. I think like you know, Blue Velvet has a uh, has a, a path. I mean, like he's doing stuff. I, I don't you know, race. No, 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 no. I, I, I think I think in general, Lynch has a path. I don't think he's like a bad filmmaker who doesn't know where he's going from minute to minute. He has a path of where he's going. But I think a lot of times, Lynch is a guy who puts in weird stuff, and then he's like. Somebody will figure out what I meant by that, and then I'll say that's what I meant. And I think that that's what he does a lot. Well, I mean, I'm going to say I think that what Lynch likes to do is he likes to put in impressionistic images, and he want, he does want you to put your own things on it. I think he wants you to open up your imagination and interact with it. Um, he's uh, big into transcendental meditation. He's big into imaginative stuff. He wrote a really interesting book about TM and imagination and how to use TM to access your imagination. So I do think that he puts in dream imagery and strange imagery that he does intend for you to interact with. That doesn't necessarily advance the plot or whatever that is in, is intended to be odd. But I think also what he does, again, what makes it Lynchian specifically is that it's about a suburban, well-manicured world, um, and then underneath that is something sh- disconcerting and strange and fucked up and twisted. And it's 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 surreal in his work, but it also reflects his own understanding of the darkness that hides underneath the well-manicured lawns in all of the great suburbs. Um, so that's what this is doing. It's taking this thing and it's creating a very familiar and I think numbing version of it almost, and then create, putting something really, um, I I mean, do we want to get into right now where they are? They're in, they're in Westview. Do, Do you think it connects in any way to the Marvel comics? Well, okay, so here's the thing. So I guess let's talk about this as we get into the second episode. So we talk about Wanda's powers, and they're really ill-defined everywhere. So when Wanda was first introduced, she had hex powers. And the hex powers basically were like bad luck powers. It was like she could make like a painting fall off and hit a guy, or she could like make a fire hydrant burst. You know what I mean? Like it was not it was not clear. And over time, she experienced incredible amounts of power creep. Two, she started just shooting hex bolts, which were just energy bolts, because like that's just easy to draw. And her hex powers were too abstract. And then she started shooting hex bolts, but then she began developing all kinds of reality warping powers. And she also became an actual witch. So she began using actual witchcraft. She was trained in witchcraft by Agatha Harkness, um, an actual witch from Salem. Yes, and I think that's who Agnes is. I agree. I think Agnes is Agatha Harkness. Um, So she – you know. to say that people don't know what her powers are, I think that's fair because I don't think that her powers are defined anywhere. They are they are traditionally enormous enough to fit the story. So in the, you know, it's become clear after two episodes that the real touchstone for this series, we thought it might be the Tom King Vision series, where Tom, where Vision goes to live in the suburbs with uh, an Android family. But it's clearly the 1985 Vision and Scarlet Witch 12 issue maxi series. I think it's both. I, I, mean, I think it takes heavily from both and a, a third Avengers story. It takes heavily from both, but like, I think vision and Scarlet, Witch, the first two episodes really fucking lean on it because I did, did you, I mean, did you catch the, the quick thing in the opening credit sequence of episode two, where you see, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, visions brother or not visions brother, but wonder man's brother. Grim Reaper, his helmet is in it. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that in a second because there's some really interesting, um, Easter eggs in that opening credit scene. But I think that it's just worth noting that um, I think that Vision of Scarlet Witch is so heavily the 
the touchdown here because in that miniseries, Vision and Scarlet Witch leave the Avengers and go off to settle down in a town in New Jersey. And very specifically, it's a town that has had anti-superhuman sentiment in the past. And when they show up there, people are like, oh, they don't take kindly to your kind here. And they decide, fuck it, we want to live in this town. We're just going to deal with the bigots and the racists, and we're just going to set up camp. And they have a lot of very strange adventures. They meet people um, who are referenced in the second episode, Glamour and Illusion. Yeah. And then she gets pregnant by her robot husband. And then it turns out over the course of the storylines that <laughs> pregnancy was actually created by Mephisto and that the uh, babies are actually pieces of demon soul. And then she goes crazy and then she wipes out all the mutants. I mean, like, so her power set is like, be clear that's not all one story like, that's not all the miniseries it's not the miniseries but that is like her arc like over the course of like a decade yes no no even longer i, I mean john byrne revealed during his west coast avengers stuff that, that the pregnancy was mephisto and the children were fake and then you know so like i mean we're talking well then it goes 30- to bendis because it's not 30 years it's, it's from it's from the 80s to the late 90s early 2000s right isn't no more mutants the early 2000s no more mutants. I, I would have to double check, but Bendis didn't start working for Marvel until 2001. So it's, it's definitely in the 2000s. It's the early 2000s, I think, in the 2002, 2003. So it's like a 20 year storyline. Yeah. But the premise here that I'm trying to get across, though, is that. Um, and also during that, her, she goes through like seven different parents because she used to be Magneto's kid. And then they were like, no, you're not Magneto's kid. You're this person's kid. And then, no, you're not that person's kid. You're back to Magneto's kid. Well, she wasn't always Magneto's kid. She started out as just a fucking gypsy. Then she became Magneto's kid. Then she became a child of the high evolutionary. Then There's, there's like so many fucking versions of her origin. Um, and the thing is that but her, her powers just get bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where she's probably the most power, one of the most powerful beings in the Marvel Universe now. Like she can just do whatever she wants, essentially, for where the writer wants her to do. So I think yeah. for, in terms of the show, I don't think it's the show's fault because I don't think that her powers are well-defined at all no no it's not the show's fault at all but it's a continuation of that issue that exists throughout the movies as well where right what you do who knows something what does she do whatever's needed like whatever whatever's needed in the scene i mean but that second second episode opens after there's a cold open where there's like a tree um hitting the window and very sitcom-y and visions afraid and yeah and this is the first moment i think where we get like the um the premise that we're moving forward through time because she brings their separate beds together, which is a famous thing that, you know, once upon a time, sitcom characters, married characters, slept in separate beds. And then, uh, you know, it took, was it, was it, was it, I love Lucy. What was the first one? Um, I think it was, I love Lucy, but I could be wrong. I, I, that I can't say. I think it was, I love Lucy though. But beat me. Yes. I'm pretty sure it was I Love Lucy because there was a whole thing of her also being pregnant was was a big deal. Right. So they may actually let her be pregnant on TV and said the word pregnant, which is like a thing you couldn't say on TV once upon a time. You know, Archie Bunker was the first show they fucking flushed the toilet on television. So um, TV's weird. Uh, yeah. I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess. Because what, Psycho is the first movie to show a toilet? So yep. it's not. Yeah. Um, so... But so we see here that they're moving through sitcom time because they've brought their beds together. And then we go into the opening credits, which is like just the Bewitched credits, essentially. Like it's the animated thing. And there's like a bunch of fucking Easter eggs in it. I'm, I'm quite sure I didn't catch them all. I can tell you that much. Well, in the supermarket, 
There's um, Bova Milk. I don't... Yeah, I see that one. It's right over my head. So when in one of the versions, or maybe it is still the version of her origin, I, I'm not up to date, Scarlet Witch was raised on the High Evolutionary's Wondagore Mountain, and she was raised by Bova, uh, who was an evolved cow, a cow that was evolved into a woman. So it's a cow woman that raised her. Okay. So it's Bova Milk, and it's got like a lady cow on the thing. And then next to it is Auntie A's Cat Food. Which is... Agatha Harkness. Agatha Harkness. Agatha Harkness has this black cat, Ebony, that's her familiar. So that's why she has the cat food. And then when there's a bit when the vision goes through the floor in this animated sequence, and between the floorboards is a a shape, and the shape is the helmet of the Grim Reaper. Now, this is where it's going to get really weird, and I think this is just a wink. I can't imagine this is actually in the show. The Grim Reaper is the brother of a guy called Wonder Man. And Wonder Man... Um, was a superhero who uh, an early Marvel superhero who died. He was a, a bad, he was a bad guy pretending to be an Avenger, and then he sacrificed himself. I think is the storyline. He was being controlled by Ultron, so he dies, and they use Wonder Man. They use his brain waves to create the brain for, for Vision. So Vision has a synthetic uses. Uh, Wonder Man's brainwaves. Right, Ultron does it. So Ultron creates Vision, and he uses Wonder Man's brainwaves to bring Vision life. In the movies, they use Jarvis's brain, right? That's what they, the workaround yeah. in that. But in the comics, it's Wonder Man. And Wonder Man has this this brother who's a villain who's named Grim Reaper. He has like a, a scythe for a hand. He's got this wild fucking helmet. And that helmet shows up in, in the house, like hidden between the floorboards. I can't imagine that Grim Reaper is going to play a role in this show. Well, he plays a major role in Tom King's Vision story. And he plays a role in the Vision of Scarlet Witch. I mean, like, like he's obviously t- deeply tied in with Vision in the comics. The, the, the thing with it in the comics as well, if people listening don't know, Scarlet before Scarlet Witch started dating Vision, she dated Wonder Man, who right. came back to life. And then they broke up, and then Vision came back to life, and they started dating. And it was always a thing of, like, is she only dating Vision because he has Wonder Man's mind? And it's easier for her? Like, is it like a rebound thing or what's going on? Well, he doesn't even have his mind. I think it's even more complex. It's like even weirder than that. He just has his brain waves. Like he, he doesn't have, he doesn't have Wonder Man's like personality. No, he doesn't have his personality, but he has like his essence is kind of how they've always pushed it. Is is the concept because even like 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 Grim Reaper is always like always con- like he Grim Reaper looks at Vision and he's like you're my brother like we're enemies but you're my brother right. because we're brothers essence and like you know you share a connection to this family which brings us to Hank Pym and Ultron and all that kind of stuff and it gets real convoluted and crazy as soap opera comics get and uh, so I I do think that that Grim Reaper is going to play a part in this. I think he's he will play a part, but we'll see. see you know, by the way, let me just okay. say this right here. Yeah, the Marvel show that should have happened is Wonder Man, because yes. when he comes back to life later on, Wonder Man Simon Williams goes to Hollywood to go be an actor and becomes a he becomes an actor using his superpowers and like he can do his own stunts and shit like that. Like the that premise as a TV show is unfucking beatable. Like it's just the best fucking idea. The Fall Guy. Well, it's it's like the Fall Guy, except with superheroes. Yeah, yeah, that, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, why would you not do that? It's like this, the 70s, well, 80s Marvel created a couple of storylines that are just perfect TV shows. The other one is the Thing joining the Wrestling League. 
Yes, so good. What a fucking TV show concept. You don't even have to do the thing because maybe you're going to use him in uh, the Fantastic Four movies, but like a a fucking superpower wrestling league? Of course that's a good TV show concept. (laughs) You fucking kidding me? But like Simon Williams running around making movies like it's like Entourage, but with superheroes? Come on. And you got that. You got damage control. Damage control that that they have not made a damage control TV show blows my mind. Blows my mind. There's so many good concepts for TV shows floating around the Marvel comics. But anyway, anyway, so what we do is we do come back into um, the show and Vision and Scarlet Witch are practicing for their magic act. They're going to do a magic act at this town fundraiser for the school, the local town school. Children. For the children. And um, they are going to be performing as Illusion and Glamour. That's going to be their names. And Illusion and Glamour are characters from that Scarlet Witch and Vision miniseries. And they do the same thing in the miniseries. They are super-powered people who use their powers to put on a magic act. Yeah. Um, it's, a great co- it's a great concept, and it's a good concept to steal for a TV show. You know what I mean? Like, uh, that's also a good TV show concept, sort of like a traveling magic act that solves crimes and that's super-powered. Tana. That would be DC. That's Zatanna. That is Zatanna, yeah. Um, but so that's another reference. It's a big reference to the to the Maxi series, to the pre-Tom King Maxi series. Um, so they're getting ready for this thing, but they both have other things they have to get done before. So um, Wanda is going to go with the um, event planning committee, and she's going to try to fit in with the other women in town. And Vision is going to go off to the neighborhood watch and try to fit in with all the husbands. So this is like their next step in trying to fit into life here in Westview. When, do you think Westview is related to the Tom King comic? No, I think it's connected to an Avenger story. Which one? They went. Um, I can't remember the name of the story now. The, it's about a town called Pleasant Hill, which is where S.H.I.E.L.D. starts putting supervillains and wiping their minds and making right. them an idyllic town. And then AIM takes it over. And that's what I think. That's where I think they are. I think they're in Pleasant Hill. That's actually because there's the guy at the end of this episode, I think is an AIM guy. So that actually makes a lot of fucking sense. Um, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Um, that really makes a lot of sense. Yep. Wow. You want to crack this shit. Um, so, uh, although I still want this, there's other elements we have to talk about. Um, so, uh, where was I? Uh, they're practicing the magic trick. Oh, they're practicing magic trick, and so Vision doesn't really understand like what the premise of this is. Like, wait, why are we doing a fake thing? And she's like, no, that's the beauty of it. That's how real magic works. It's all fake. Yes, which is a great line. Which is um, a great bit. But uh, then she, um, I think this is the part, I don't have my notes properly put together here, um, but uh, he this is where- Go meet the boys at the library, and then she's meeting... Uh, Agnes outside and she goes outside and it's black and white. The show is still black and white, but there's a red helicopter. Right, this is where the red and gold helicopter is. And then those Iron Man colors. Yeah. And it's got the sword logo on right. it. The helicopter got the sword logo on And she picks it up and she's staring at it and she's like kind of entranced by it. And then Agnes walks up and he's like, hello, my husband, Frank sucks. And like she dropped the helicopter and they're like, oh, we got to go take care of like what we're going to meet the, the, the committee, the planning committee. So uh, I think it's important to talk about sword here. Yes. Uh, This is fit into my pleasant hill theory is sword. So sword in the comics, Joss Whedon, um, uh, created sword 
and it is the um the, has the worst fucking name uh, even in a world where shield has 10,000 bad names sword stands for sentient weapon observation and response division and basically sword's whole deal is dealing with extraterrestrial threats yes they're, they're space shield the space shield yeah and um they do like a lot of stuff uh in uh, it was going to be um in agents of shield by the way oh was it Yes, and Marvel Studios said, no, you cannot have S.W.O.R.D. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's like counterterrorism and intelligence agency dedicated to extraterrestrial men- menaces. Um, it's become a bigger deal in the comics lately. Um, they have like an ordering space platform. Captain Marvel's involved. Like all these big superheroes are involved, and they do like first line of defense against aliens. We've never seen S.W.O.R.D. in the shows. I mean, in the, in the movies. We've only ever seen S.H.I.E.L.D. and S.H.I.E.L.D. has been closed down for a long time now. So it seems that in the comics, S.W.O.R.D. was an offshoot of S.H.I.E.L.D. So it's not really clear what the actual relationship is going to be here. But that's what S.W.O.R.D. is. So that's an important thing to know. And conceptually, if there is no S.H.I.E.L.D. in this universe, maybe S.W.O.R.D. is, the like you said, creating the Pleasant Hill fake community where they're throwing menaces, extraterrestrial and otherwise. Yeah. I mean, that is the thing, right? Because... That dinner table scene when Mr. Hart is talking to him, like, where are you from? Where are you from? Is his question that makes him choke. Yes. Hmm. Very interesting. Um, There's the radio stuff in this episode. There's radio stuff in this episode, yeah, which I think is Jimmy Woo. But um, so we'll get to that in a second. So her and Agnes, Wanda and Agnes, like, do this, like, um, walk and talk. And I think it's really interesting here how this episode opens it up into – opens it up into uh, outdoor stuff, into location shooting, which feels of the time. You know what I mean? Like there's like a, there's like a lot of surprisingly large amount of location shooting in like your 1950s and 60s sitcoms that were shooting on back lots. So they would just go to the suburban street and just shoot, leave it to beaver out there. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they all, all of them filmed on like the same like universal backlot pretty much. And, right. You know, where they also filmed like back to the future and stuff later on. Um, yeah. So they um, they start talking about like uh, the uh, the planning committee that Dottie runs, and Dottie's sort of like a, a tyrant on the planning committee. And Agnes is making jokes about it. And they meet Geraldine, who is uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, what's uh, her Monica Rambeau? What's the actress's name? It's uh, Dawn uh, Dawn from uh, uh, Tayona Paris, Dawn from Mad Men. Um, and Monica Rambeau, who we first met as a what was that? I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that that was her. Yeah. So, um, but that's something that you only know if you read the casting, right? Because we know that she was cast as Monica Rambo. And I guess, yes. I guess we'll save the Monica Rambo stuff for whenever episode they reveal that she's Monica Rambo. Uh, uh, although clearly in this episode, they forgot to give her a backstory like in this, in the show, because when, when Wanda introduces herself, she says, I'm Wanda. What's your name? And she goes, um, uh, Jenny. <laughs> like, like, like she didn't have a name ready to go. I guess. I don't think that she knows who she is. Oh, okay. So you think she's also being held there? Okay. I think so. I think so. I think that she is trapped in there as well. Um, I think, I think everybody who's in there is trapped in there. Like whether or not now, so the characters from the first episode are here again is sort of it's sort of the same characters but different, and I think that the people who are in this whatever wherever they are whoever is in there is trapped inside the illusion. I don't think they all are, and we'll get. Into I that think only Agnes isn't. 
Well, th- th- there's a there's a theory that I read about Dottie that we can discuss in a bit. But I don't want. To so, well, actually, that makes sense too because what happens then is that um, they have this this meeting uh, poolside with Dottie, and Dottie's just a total tyrant at the meeting. And then she holds Rhonda back at the end of it to clean up, and they had this conversation. As they're having a conversation, "Help me, Rhonda!" by the Beach Boys is playing on yes. the radio, and the Rondas start turning into Wanda. And then it's somebody saying, "Wanda, what is it? What are they doing to you?" Wanda, what are what are they doing to you? Yes, I Wanda, asking. what are they doing to you? And they both are very surprised by this. And Dottie breaks a glass in her hand, and we get our next blast of color. It's the blood on Dottie's hand. Well, well, before she breaks the glass in her hand, she's looking at Wanda, and she says, "She says, how are you? Like, how are you doing this? How how are you doing this?" And then she breaks the glass, and so. What's the Dottie theory that you read? Well, this is a theory I read online. This is not my theory because I did not watch Agent Carter. But in Agent Carter, there's an evil Agent Carter named Dottie uh, who works for like a, a, a not for S.H.I.E.L.D., for like the, the group against S.H.I.E.L.D. And the theory is that this, that this Dottie is somehow related to that Dottie, bringing back the idea that this is being controlled by like anti-S.H.I.E.L.D. people or AIM or like that kind of thing. And that she's in there to watch over things, to, to keep things. Like, there are people set up to keep things running smoothly inside, which is a very um, uh, uh, Truman Show kind of deal. Right. Well, that would be interesting because Dottie is, like, a person that keeps things running and is clearly involved in... She, she runs everything in the town, they say. She's like, the queen of the cul-de-sac, they call her. Yes. Yeah. Um. So meanwhile, Vision's at the library, and he discovers that the uh, neighborhood watch is actually just sort of a bullshit session. And just guys gossiping. Just guys gossiping, talking shit about each other and about other people in the town. And at first, they don't want to let him in. They're like, "Oh, it's members only." But then, when he shows that he is funny, he's accidentally funny. Um, he claims one of them is a communist. He's probably right, right? I mean, like, considering how Vision operates, he's probably telling a true thing there. Yes, yes. He he definitely did not think it was a joke. Right. Yeah. Um, so that guy definitely is a communist. <laughs> but they all think it's hilarious, and they, um, you know, he starts doing his whole thing where he doesn't eat, and they're like, they think he's just fucking the funniest guy. So they give him big red gum and he chews it, but he accidentally swallows it and it begins gumming up his gears. Quite literally, there's a cartoon of his gears being gummed up. Cartoon. Yeah, I like a little cartoon. That was fun. So um, then we cut to the talent show, which is happening, and Vision and Scarlet Witch are up next, but he's late and she's like freaking out. And Geraldine is like the stage manager. And uh, I think it's some really good business here. Uh, but what's really good business is when Paul Bettany shows up playing drunk basically playing Dudley Moore business here. And I think he's so fucking good. Yes. Yeah. He does a great job. He does a wonderful job in this sequence. I think he does a great job. Like, like the acting throughout the show, I don't think is a problem at all. I think they're all doing great work. These actors really nail it. They nail the, the, the comedic stuff perfectly. They really, and it's not always that funny. Like it's like, like to be very fair, it's not always funny. And I don't think it's supposed to be funny. They're, they're doing jokes, but they're not funny always. Um, but they, they really nail it. Yes. I, I mean, none of the Agnes jokes are funny because they're all tired sitcom jokes. Which right. Like, my husband sucks. My husband's the worst. Like, <laughs> all basic, you know, but like, but she pulls it off as like that, that, that Trixie from Honeymooners feel, you know, right. that kind of feel. Like, they all do that very well, especially also um, the, the actress who played the mom from that 70s show. She has a decade of 
experience playing that kind of thing. Right. From doing it on that 70s show. And she brings all of that right into it, where even when they just cut to her for like a reaction shot during the, the talent show, she's got that, that faux laugh of sitcom, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And she, they're all very well done. They all do a great job. Well, I mean, you know, the, um, the guy who ran the show um, worked on just the 10 of us. Oh, did he? I didn't know that. Yeah, spinoff of Growing Pains. Um, so he has like legit sitcom experience. Um, so he's been in that world. Um, but uh, so they start doing their, their act and it's actually, I think it's actually really well done. Um, it's very, very funny where Vision keeps doing superpowered things and Wanda has to keep using her powers to make it look like they're being fake. Um, yeah. And it has one of my favorite bits, which is um, uh, when he, he makes his hat pass through himself and everybody's like stunned, like how the fuck did that happen? And Wanda makes a bunch of mirrors appear, and one of the people in the audience goes, "Is that how mirrors work?" Well, there's two bits with that that I like, where because there's that one, and there's the one earlier where he picks up the piano, and then Wanda makes the piano into like cardboard and like shows everyone his cardboard, and the guy goes, "That was my that was my grandmother's piano." It's so good. It's that stuff is like legitimately just funny. It's like very funny, um, yeah. and. Well, that- breaking the fourth wall of the sitcom right you know is the thing because those are not jokes of that time right those well those people are having like honest reactions within the thing they're not having the sitcom reaction they're like that's not how mirrors work like it just doesn't make sense to me so that's part of why so you know at the very beginning also this of this talent show um emma caulfield uh, anya the demon from buffy the vampire slayer who plays dotty gives her speech about the talent show and she's like we're doing it for the children and everybody in the Audience goes for the children. <laughs> they do multiple times throughout the episode. They do that, yeah. Uh, which is your classic, like something is weird, hot fuzz business, right there. Yeah. Um, but uh, the turns Although, out, I think, I think we know what that's about as well. You think it's about her children? Yes, I guess we'll see because um, their talent show is a, they think it's a disaster, but the crowd thinks it's a comedy routine. And they love it, and they get a special award for the best comedy routine. It's actually an excellent comedy routine, frankly. Like I was watching it, I was like, "They should do this this every week." Yeah, you you put that you take that on the road. You got a hit. Like that's a great that's a great act. Yeah, the drunk fucked up magician, his assistant who keeps like fixing it for him. That's like really good. Yeah. Um. So they go home and they're really happy. They feel like they've really begun to fit in, and um, it's the gum out of him. She gets the gum out of him, right? And he's like, she pulls the gum out of him, and he's he's regular again. And then they go home, and they're happy. They he's regular again because he tries to make a joke, and it's not funny. Right? He's like, come back to normal. So, uh, they go home, and they're, they're really happy. And then that noise again from the opening of the episode happens, and he's the vision's like, if that's that tree, I'm going to tear it out the roots. And they go out into the street, and it's night, and there is this manhole cover opening, and a guy in a beekeeper suit climbs out of it and he is covered in bees yes and wanda is like no and she rewinds the tape yes and literally literally rewinds the tape yeah the tape winds back which is like a and they go back into the living room and it's before the noise and um wanda realizes that she is pregnant and she is like pregnant yeah, she's like a good four or five months in. Um, and uh, as they, they realize they are pregnant, color begins coming into the room. Color just starts coming everywhere. You can like see it coming down his sweater and stuff. It's a really cool effect. Yeah, oh, it's very cool. It's very cool. And it becomes clear that they have moved forward into like the late 60s, early 70s. Yes, and she is the last 
piece to become colored. Right. Like everything around her turns into color and then she comes into color and she's wearing all red because she's the Scarlet Witch. She sure is. So, and then that's the end of the episode and we have to wait till next week to find out what happens next. And, uh, um, I'll tell you something. So I thought that that guy, I, I watched the episode twice also, and it was the second time around. I was like, fuck, I think that guy might be aim because the costumes that aim guys wear in the comics, aim advanced idea mechanics. They're, they're in Iron Man three. Um, but in the comics, they wear these outfits that often other characters refer to as like beekeeper outfits. And that's what they look like, frankly. Um, So this guy is a beekeeper covered in bees. Him being AIM does make sense. The other thing that was really interesting, though, is that the bees create a sound that sounds like TV static. Yes, they did. Yeah, I didn't think about that. And that's a sound that we don't hear anymore because we're all digital now, so we don't get static anymore. But that the bees made a sound that sounded like static to me. Yes. I agree. So you think that that guy's AIM? What do you think? This is my theory of what's happening. My theory is post at some point post uh, Endgame, Wanda Maximoff is pregnant. Nobody knows how. Nobody knows what's going on. They're terrified because her powers are starting to go wacky. They lock her into Pleasant Hill. Everyone there is taking care of her through the pregnancy. And they're trying to keep her comatose. She's in some kind of coma. And AIM has taken it over. And they're looking to get her kids to use her kids for evil purposes. Uh, possibly, there, there's also a mention, I think, in the first episode of, of uh, Baron Von Strucker. In the second yeah. episode, this fake TV commercial is for Strucker Watch. That's right, yeah. And there's the Hydra symbol. The Hydra the symbol's on the watch. And it's like... In- originally. What was that? Right? When we first saw Wanda and, and Pietro, uh, her brother, they were being held by Strucker in... Age of Ultron. He right? gave them powers. He used the, the stone to give them powers. He created them, basically. Yeah. And as far as... I can't remember... If, he didn't die in Age of Ultron, right? Or did he? He was killed. Ultron killed him. Ultron killed him. That's right. Ultron, Ultron killed him and then wrote a message in his blood on his cell wall. That's right. That's right. I haven't watched it in quite a long time, so I didn't remember quite... I couldn't remember if he, if he died or he was like Zemo, where he's still out there somewhere. But... Uh, I do. I feel like there's going to be connection to that um, at some point. I, but that's my theory: is that she's pregnant. Aim has taken her. They're planning to to. They're trying to keep her comatose until she gives birth, and then they're going to take the kids because the kids are going to be powered in some way, and they want that power. I think. And I think you time, might be- another group probably soared, and that's what the helicopter is. It was a drone surveillance, you know, spy drone is coming for her to save her. I think that you're on the right path. What I suspect. So I think that the two commercials are about her origins because Stark with the bomb that she, in her origin, she talks about um, her and her brother being trapped with a Stark unexploded bomb in their, in their room for days. And they didn't know they're going to die. The Strucker and the Hydra watch. That's obviously Strucker who gave them their powers. So these are all elements that are about her origin. Um, so I think that's what that's about. But I, what I suspect is that she's creating this reality because she breaks it in episode one when she says vision help him. Yes. So I think she's creating this reality. What I think is that she has had a, a psychotic break of some kind because in the comics, all that she does is have psychotic breaks. That's like her, that's like her number one personality trait is psychotic breaks. Um, and I think that she is creating a reality all around her. Um, so 
I think that's what's happening. Now, the question of why it's a fucking TV show is another matter altogether. Um, that's why I don't think it can just be her having a psychotic break because I don't – Wanda Maximoff does not have a connection in the Avengers movies and the Marvel movies to that era of American culture, right? I mean there's nothing to connect those pieces. I don't disagree technically, but I mean, this is one of the things about these characters barely being in those movies is we don't know anything about her. I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, it's hard to say, but I think the other important piece, the other storyline to keep in mind is house of M. Yes. Because in house of M, she has a nervous breakdown. What was that? My, my long running joke of how the show will end is her saying no comma. More mutants, and that's how they're bringing the X-Men. Well, in House of M, she has a nervous breakdown, and she creates an alternate reality where Magneto wins, and the whole world is under Magneto's control. And it's like this – like they stopped all the X-Books, and they published separate new versions of the X-Books. And so that's House of M. And um, that – I was thinking you know, of Disassembled. I'm sorry. I was thinking of the wrong storyline. What was that? My joke was from the wrong comic. I was thinking of Adventures Disassembled. Is where she says no more mutants. Um, but anyway, so House of Am uh, has that thing where she has a breakdown and she creates a totally alternate reality. And I think that might be what's happening here. I think that she might have created an alternate reality that has created a po- like a bubble. So my suspicion is that Monica Rambeau works for S.W.O.R.D. and she was sent in. But as soon as she walked into the bubble, she just became part of the thing. Okay. And Which, I mean, that could kind of fit as well, where so maybe both Aim and Sword are trying to get to her. Right. Where they're both trying to get to her because they realize this is a moment of intense, incredible power. Um, although the guy, the, the beekeeper guy may have had a sword logo on his back. I couldn't quite make it out. Um, yeah, I couldn't, tell. I couldn't tell. But I think that might be what's happening. I think that there might be a reality bubble that this is existing in that she has taken over some little town called Westview, that she showed up and she is in, imposing a perfect vision of her life with the vision and i think there may be some kind of filled in storyline about how growing up in sokovia we got all the old tv american tv shows you know what i mean like it might be just as simple as that yeah because there's, we don't know anything about her we know nothing about her no we, we don't in fact one, then, of the, one of the three things we know about her is that we know that she does watch tv because she's watching tv in civil war and captain america comes in and turns it off because she can't stop watching the news coverage of her own mistake yeah, that's a little different, though. She I mean, <laughs> I don't disagree, but I'm saying we don't know a lot about her from the movies. We know that she, she at least owns a TV. She owns a TV, which is, uh, you know, we're halfway there. Um, no, I, I suppose you could do a thing where it's like in this, and, and this would be exposition stuff that I, don't, that I wouldn't be a big fan of, if she was like, I watch all these shows with Captain America as he was learning to to uh, uh, assimilate to American, you know, to the current day because he was asleep for 50 years. So we watched The Honeymooners and Dick Van Dyke and like... But it might be just as simple as growing up in Sokovia, which was a poor backwards Soviet country. It was a Soviet bloc when I was a little girl or it was just, it was just coming out of the Soviet bloc when I was a little girl. We dreamed of living in America and we dreamed of these TV shows that we watched, that we got these TV shows that were played on our like local channel or whatever that they got cheaply from America. And we had this vision, me and Pietro of coming to America. And we thought this is what it would be like. Yeah. 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 And that works. You know what I mean? Like, it could be as simple as that. Do you think Pietro's going to show up? 
I mean, I don't think he's busy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I would like him to show up. Um, it's going to be weird if he doesn't, right? I feel like it's weird if he does not show up. It's hard because Feige has claimed that um, there's no resurrections in the MCU. Yes, and Vision's not alive. They, this is at least according to Paul Bettany, Vision is not alive. Right. You know, because Vision said he said I was really hoping after with Endgame they would resurrect Vision, but Feige said no, we're not going to resurrect Vision, and so. That suggests that in this, he is just a creation of her mind. Now, whether or not she can give him life beyond this is another matter. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, but in I don't, theory, he is dead. I don't know that, so, I don't know that, that, that Aaron Taylor Johnson is that busy. Like, he showed up in Tenet in a role that I didn't even recognize him in. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it would be hard to to get him to come in or anything if he wanted to come in and they wanted to have him come in. And if he didn't want to come in, they could always call up the guy who played uh, Quicksilver in the X-Men movies and be like, yeah, we got those now too. So we'll just use him. instead." Exactly. <laughs> What's his name? Evan, whatever, you know, although he's a little busier. I think he works on those American horror story shows all the time. Right. So he might be, he might've been busy. I don't know, but I feel like he needs to show up. Because it's going to be weird. If she is creating all of this, that she wouldn't create her brother seems odd to me. You know? I think, I wonder if the difference is that she killed Vision. So that's the psychotic break aspect of it, that she killed him. She didn't kill Pietro. Pietro was killed protecting a little kid, right? So like he died a hero death. She didn't kill Vision. She sure did. No, she couldn't do it. And Thanos walks up and pulls the gem out of his hand. No, he reverses time because he had just gotten the time stone from Doctor Strange. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's you should right. watch these movies. They're pretty good. <laughs> Look, man. You know, there's a lot of them. He, <laughs> Vision begs her to kill him and she does kill him. And then she has to live through him dying a second time because Thanos rewinds time so that the so he comes back to life and then pulls the stone out of his head and kills him again. Yeah. So that's why that's different than Pietro. Pietro died sacrificing his life to be a hero. Um, she killed Vision. Yeah, it just, I don't know. It's, it seems like he would be there. In some I don't fashion. disagree, and I'm sure they probably talked. If he if he doesn't show up, I'm sure they talked about it. You know what I mean? I'm sure there were discussions. I'm sure there were discussions at some point, either before writing it all out, or maybe they even tried to get him and he wouldn't come back, or whatever, and they were like... All right, no go. But I mean, we'll see. We'll see. There's still uh, seven, seven episodes. So who knows? Who knows who's going to show up? All right, that's an hour and a half of this. I think that's long enough. What do you think? Probably. One <laughs> of my, my notes here to make sure. Oh, I did wonder what Wanda eats. Because I made a, a in the first episode that there's nothing in the fridge. And then when she's prepared dinner for her and Vision, it's only one strawberry. Which suggests she does not eat. Well, I think it's the one strawberry because it's supposed to be sexual. But they're like the fridge is completely empty as well in the beginning. Well, I when, think there's you know, a lot going on here. Or for breakfast, and he's like, that's fine, but I don't eat. And she's like, I guess that's why the fridge is empty. And that suggests that she doesn't eat either. Well, I think and we lot- and eat anything at dinner where they make sure to show the, the hearts eating. We see Wanda and Vision not eating. 
Well, Vision can't eat. That's interesting like about Wanda. I mean, I suspect that the empty fridge is multi-level thing, one of which is that it's a joke within the sitcom. But I think that also I think that I think that this thing just started. Do you know what I mean? Okay. I think it just started. I think yeah. the opening credits are when this thing is starting. Yeah. Is my suspicion. I don't disagree with that. I don't. I, oh, I, I guess so, you know, but we'll see. I mean, I guess we'll figure it out and we'll see as it moves forward. I don't remember if she does eat anything in the second episode. There's no, she's, she drinks in the second episode, right? Oh, she does. She drinks and she takes a bite of like a, a cookie and then she covers her mouth in that like old school way that women would cover their mouth when they chew, because I guess the idea of your bottom jaw moving was disgusting. I don't know. There you go. She eats. But she does that. So she does eat. All right, there you go. I mean, I think that empty fridge might have just been a sitcom joke, and she had just created this entire environment. You know what I mean? Like, I suspect a lot of the rules of this environment are dream logic rules. Like, there's nothing in that fridge until you open it up. Like, then there's something in the fridge. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Which is why why Agnes can show up. I mean, Agnes food. Yeah, with like, and what did she say? She's like, "What kind of housewife would I be if I didn't have a, a, a meal for five ready to go at a moment's notice?" Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's one part sitcom joke, one part commentary, and then one part surreal world. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. All right, that's this our first episode of Marvel Vision, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe TV show podcast. Truly a mouthful of gibberish, right there. Uh, <laughs> Derek, where can they find you on the internet? Probably just go with Marvel Vision. I think we can just go with Marvel Vision. Yeah, I think so. We can cut out the colon rest of it, you know? I, I think you're right. So, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at WH underscore Woolhat. All right. And you can uh, find me here on this Patreon. Thank you for subscribing. I'm going to be making these Marvel Vision shows free for everybody. I'm going to keep the Star Wars Bad Batch behind the paywall. But I'm going to make the uh, Marvel Vision available for everybody for at least during the course of WandaVision. We'll see what happens when we get to Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, but for now, um, let your friends know that we have this podcast here. And it's uh, two brother nerds uh, arguing about, <laughs> about about nerd shit. So, <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody. May you be happy. May you be safe. May you be well. And we'll see you again here next week.